Tori, were you about to say not all that exciting? It's not. Well, it's weird oh, because it, ha- okay, it has all these things in it that should be wait, wait, exciting, wait, wait. like armor bears. Save Tori, it, people. Save you it. You don't like the armor bears? No, I love Tori. the armor bears. I'm just saying there's all this <laughs> other stuff where it's like just focus on the armor bears. All right, welcome to another episode of Podjiba, the Pajiba Television Podcast. I'm Pajiba contributor Dan Hamamura, and with me as always are Deputy Editor Tori Preston. Howdy. Who's on the road this week, yet still joining in. Thanks, Tori. Yeah, it's uh, professionalism. <laughs> uh, also joining us is Pajiba top banana, Dustin Rolls. <laughs> Thank you very much. Which is a phrase I'd never heard until I Googled it today. Uh, and we're joined again this week by Pajiba contributor Roxana Haddadi. Yes, hello. Thanks for having she, me back on. She's back on uh, by popular demand. We didn't scare her uh, away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this week on the show, we're going to talk... The uh, His Dark Materials premiere, which just uh, just premiered on Monday, uh, we'll talk briefly about Apple TV, Watchmen, and uh, some other stuff. But first, as always, what is everyone drinking? If you're drinking, who's going first? All right, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna explain to you. I have a bottle of Artie. It's Pinot Gris, uh, Pinot Grigio, and I have uh, sparkling water, and I had a coffee. And there's a system. It, it, <laughs> you turn them into a slurry. I have all three. I'm already exhausted. No, no, they're separated. It's just that what? if I have three beverages, I won't drink the entire bottle during the course, course of the podcast. <laughs> but you're, alternate. Also, you're mixing it with the grossest thing. I'm not mixing it. I'm just drinking separately. So is there an order that you have to drink them, or is it just no, no. whatever? Okay. Yeah, it's just whatever. All right. Whatever you reach. You just put the wine closest so that you constantly drink that. Well, that's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> because Dustin. every time I that's have a bottle content. of wine on the podcast, I end up wake, waking up with a terrible hangover. Oh, boo. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> You don't sound sorry at all. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so amused by this, like, I have to have other options or I won't drink the wine. Just Fair. drink the wine. Who we cares? were bad. The one day he didn't have the wine, we, we definitely made fun of him. I feel bad. Oh, We should have well, supported actually... your, your healthy um, Thank you. decision. Thank you. Yes. You guys are monsters, so that checks out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Tori, what about you? Um, I'm drinking because I'm in a hurry. I did just come from, uh, I, I was drinking in a movie theater, uh, and what I drank there was a, a cocktail with soju in it, so that was delicious. Um, I was at the Alamo, and they had the special okay. parasite cocktails. Not cocktails with parasites, uh, cocktails inspired by the film Parasite. Feel like I should. Uh, uh, right. The right. Exactly. Thank you. Cocktails. Probably should make that clear. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah, wanted yeah. to drink even more, and then I was like, I should probably get on the subway and go record this podcast. And I didn't think to stop and get canned wine on the way. <laughs> mm. Roxana, what about you? I have a mug of Trader Joe's extra caffeinated coffee. 
to which Adam <laughs> added a uh, pour of Eagle Rare for me. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, got some little bourbon coffee action because after we do this, I have to finish watching The King, which for some reason is two hours and 20 minutes long. <laughs> so I have oh. an hour and 20 are you minutes really, to go. Are you eager to get back to it? <laughs> I, I was watching it yesterday before the Ravens-Patriots game, and then just inexplicably at halftime, I fell asleep, and I could have woken up to kept... <laughs> keep watching the movie but I did not and I did not regret it so <laughs> I'll, I'll finish oh, no. it tonight but it did not grab my attention at all which is unfortunate because I Oof. love Timmy you know I love Timmy but even Timmy could not hold my interest yeah yeah Dan what about you do you still have Weller or are you uh holding I do it? but I'm not drinking it this week finally uh mm. there's a weird fancy hipster beer store down the street from me and they Whoa. had, uh, I went down there this morning, and I found that they had Allagash White. So oh. I have an Allagash White for the first time since Maine, I think. Nice. I don't know. Um, but it's quite, it's good. Wow, well, I'm surprised. I feel like Dustin needs to go open an Allagash, because you know he has some in his, in his fridge. Yeah. I do. I yeah, then you can have four drink options. Are you already had. <laughs> 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 well, you know, you have to eat. You have all I got for dinner. Oh, it's just how it what goes? polite society demands. <laughs> <laughs> right. One Allagash while you're you cooking, sure and you... one Allagash while you're eating. Mm, well, okay. Dustin, Dustin, you're full of uh, full of knowledge, and one thing Thank that you. we always. Request of you is your Riverdale knowledge. Oh yes, which is why we're Yay. going into Dustin's Riverdale recap. Yes, where Dustin right. Rolls gives us uh, all the news from Riverdale in thirty words or less. Uh, we're still hoping that he'll. We're hoping he'll get down to ten someday. Not, but he claims he, he, he today claims could it's be impossible. the day. It's yeah. like six characters. That's six words right there. You have like three <laughs> drinks. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. You Figure guys out ready? When yes. I'm finished, you're going to want more words. <laughs> that is definitely not going to be the case. Yeah, no, that's not right. true. We always ask you questions. That's true. Are you ready? We're ready. All right. Veronica sets a serial killer on fire. <laughs> Archie, decides to, Archie decides to become a crime-fighting vigilante. Cheryl gaslights Tony into digging up her brother, and Jughead is dead. Wait. Wait, Jug- <laughs> Jughead is actually dead? <laughs> what? That's I, I got no more words, people. <laughs> we have to move on now. You really did. You engineered that one well. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I do. I well, do. That's exactly what words. they did on the show. <sighs> now it's Dustin's Riverdale recap. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. Thank you, Dustin. <laughs> I mean, it does. It, in a way, it makes me want to watch the show more, and I've never seen it. But when it's boiled down like that, and it sounds yeah. that insane, yeah. yeah. No. I would only I would only watch a version where Dustin also reenacts. <laughs> so it's Dustin turns it into a one man show, <laughs> right? That's what Dustin I narrates oh. as the rat crawled from that dead body. <laughs> Jason Blossom's yeah. corpse. Yes. All right, this week in TV, uh, we wanted to start with His Dark Materials, which premiered on Monday. Um, I think most of us have seen it. Tori has not, but she knows the books. She's our book expert. That's what we're calling her. Um, and, uh, and, 
Uh, Roxana, you're actually you've actually had an opportunity to review or to see more than the first episode. Is that right? Yes, I have okay. seen the first four episodes, and I love the books. So I am kind of approaching it from a how does this align with how the good the books are theory, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's shaky at best. <laughs> but I didn't know if we if we wanted to talk about the premiere or if you would like me to talk more about the broadness of the first four episodes. I, I actually did want to know if it actually got better. Yeah. <laughs> this is a tough question. This is a tough question, Dustin. Um, uh, my my. Okay, so just in terms of like broadness, what they are doing with the first four episodes is they are adapting more than the first book. They are incorporating things from the second book as well. And does it get better? I think it gets more complicated. Oh, that's just what we need. And <laughs> I think that they do some things really well in depicting some characters, but I also think that the major change they made, which was to transform the magisterium from the Catholic Church to now just being sort of like a shadowy, nefarious organization, is going to cripple the show in the long term. So I think... Oh, that's supposed to be the Catholic Church. Yes. So Tori and I... Tori can speak to this. Tori, do you want to talk about how it's like atheism for kids? Or how would you like to discuss no, the Philip Pullman no, books? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying it's... Direct all your emails. <laughs> Send everything to Tori. <laughs> Look, it's been a while since I read the books. I think Dan oversold my expertise. Uh, but yeah, I remember in the beginning thinking it was a really fun fantasy series. And by the end being like, I mean, I'm already atheist. Like... This is really leaning hard on this. It has a very strong viewpoint, and it's not one that I disagree with, but it is one that I think becomes a bit more of a cudgel as the series goes on. I think it becomes very strict in its messaging and in its depiction of organized religion is something that is inherently debilitating and narrow. And so I don't know how the books with that strong of a messaging can be adapted without that messaging. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah. So I think that the first four episodes, like to Dustin's point, I think they lack because you're lacking that really like propulsive plot element. I think the characters and their motivations and everything feels a little bit lost and sort of floating and like the stakes aren't very clear. Um, That's, that's kind of what I want to address. I mean, I don't, the messaging is, sounds great, but I, the messaging doesn't mean anything if I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And I think that's what the episodes don't do very well. Like I think they put you into this world and they're throwing a lot of information at you. So like in the premiere alone we learn that we're in a world that is an alternate version of our world and in this world humans have basically their souls as an outward animal and so the animal until you hit puberty can transform into you know different things like a beaver or a jaguar or whatever and then it settles once you hit puberty and so that relationship... Oh, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> right. But, okay, great. <laughs> right. 
It's good so to that, know. <laughs> that relationship is like the most primary relationship in your life. It's you mm-hmm. and your soul. And so you have that information. Which is an animal. Right. You have the information that we're in a different world where all of this is happening. This world seems like steampunk inspired. There are zeppelins. And so some stuff is recognizable. Like the university doesn't seem that different from other universities. But then you also have the magisterium who wields power over the university, but it's not really clear why. And then amid all of that, you have Lyra. And I love Daphne Keene, and I think her performance is fine, but I also think she's very reactive in this premiere. Like, reactive to James McAvoy, mm-hmm. reactive to the maester of the college, who's played by Clark Peters. Like, I don't think you have a strong sense of what her personality is yet. Right. I mean, the the one moment with her that was really... I guess fun was uh, in, in the premiere was was that moment where she makes her escape from the her teacher and kind of jumps around on rooftops. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, it was kind of it was fun. It was fun to see like, oh yeah, she's breaking the rules and she's you know kind of uh, rebelling because she wants to see her uncle. Um, but it it was also so low stakes in that moment that I was kind of. I guess I was enjoying it, but I was also like, this is the exciting, like, moment of her breaking authority. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't really understand. She's going on a journey, and her Oliver Twist friend can't come. That's all I really understand. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, and again, like, the books do this better, because, to quote Dr. Stephen, books are inherently better. Um yes. But the general gist is that Lyra is a child who has grown up in this world that's ruled by the Magisterium, and the Magisterium is very controlling, and so because they're in a university setting, they're given more freedom, but overall, like, she wants to be free of this control without really knowing that she's controlled. So she's super fascinated by the the idea of the North, which is where her uncle is, it's where Ruth Wilson's Mrs. Coulter tells her that she can take her so there's like this wild part of this world that she is very drawn to without knowing why she is so drawn to it and so there are all these adults with different ideas of who Lyra is and what she should be doing and I don't think the premiere makes clear at all why any of those people matter or why their motivations matter and to your point like she's just a girl who wants to go on a journey and it doesn't make sense as to why she would want to go <laughs> or like <laughs> why she would want to go or why that matters so much. And so I definitely think it's a very messy premiere. And I think the other episodes do sort of a better job of fleshing out these communities of like the university people and the magisterium people and the Egyptians who I think we see a glimpse of because you see that the Egyptian kids are being taken. So right. I think that the show bit off more than it could chew in, like, speeding through all of this plot content and also incorporating elements from the second book. So it's a lot. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it's very dense, and I, I don't exactly think that they're doing a great job, but I keep thinking, like, Watchmen is also super dense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think you do need background information about the comic to really fully appreciate what Watchmen is doing so it's just interesting to me that HBO has two book adaptations at the same time and one feels kind of stifled and overstuffed and not all of Watchmen has worked for me but it at least feels like it has 
something it wants to say. Whereas I think with his dark materials, if you take the religious angle away from it, I'm not sure what it says. And so that that does seem to be what they've done. They're trying to... Because I think that's what every attempted adaptation has done so far, and this one seems to be following along, where they're they're really trying to divorce the book from the religious message. I mean, the message about essentially really the you know the catholic church mm-hmm. right but any organ so they're they are trying to like fully separate that like remove the message from the plot Is that- and i honestly don't know i don't think they can do it i mean to no. be perfectly like fully honest with you like that third book once it makes that hard turn to like i don't want to spoil anything but the, if you've read the third book like the contents of the third book if they're not adapting the religious element like the third book is unadaptable yeah I would think so that Hmm. was what um when that would that question for me about people trying to adapt his dark materials because on you know on paper it seems like this great idea it's another very beloved fantasy series and when you had these successes like Mm -hmm. uh game of thrones or lord of the rings or all of these other you know people trying to build these franchises off of these dense um, kind of, you know, fictional worlds that, you know, many, you know, Harry Potter or whatever, several books to build out from. Uh, and so there, I can understand the appeal for adapting his dark materials, but it has, because there, it is religious. Um, and I feel like the instinct is to attract audiences. You have to divorce the plot from that message and that's where I'm always like, why are you adapting this if you're going to try that? <laughs> like, why <laughs> no, would you totally choose this? Agree. Because then again, that thing, because even if you pull it off for the first book or the second book, you're going to get to that third book. <laughs> and then right. what are you going to do? <laughs> right. Honestly, even like the second half of the second book. Yeah. Because once you, once you figure out what Lord Asriel is up to, right. then it's like, oh, okay. Now I totally understand like where this series is going. But yeah. it's just, it's very bizarre to me because I think everything is floating without that guiding factor of the Magisterium is a crushing organization committed to stamping out heretical behavior. Once you get rid of that, like, the Magisterium ain't shit. So I'm very curious about where the series goes, but, like, I would say of the first four episodes, the armored polar bears are dope, as they should <laughs> they be. They always are. They're amazing. I think that the Egyptians have potential, and I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is a horrendous miscast, and I could not stand any moment that he was on screen. So I'm curious how people respond to his casting as a Texan aeronaut (laughs) assassin. Like, it's just, it's very, it's really bad casting. (laughs) So, yeah, so I don't know. But Dan, Dustin, what did you guys think? So Dustin, it did not work for you. Will you continue watching? I will, but only if I can convince my son to watch it with me. Mm-hmm. But I, just, I, I can't tell what's going on. And maybe it'll start, it'll click and some, it'll start making more sense. But I barely knew that, that I was a church where the magisterium was supposed to be. Well, and I think that's the thing. I think they're trying to make it not a church. So then you right. have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Like it makes sense. Yeah. Wasn't there something about dust? Yes. <laughs> yes. Dust with a capital D. I didn't so, understand that. Again, in the books, 
the Magisterium is obsessed with dust because they believe that dust is like the original corruptive force within nature. It's something that they can't explain. They don't know where it comes from. They don't know why, as they pointed out in, as Lord Azrael points out, like they're attracted to like, I think it's, remind me, it's adults, but yeah. not children, right? Yes. Or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. So like, they don't know what it is that dust does or where it comes from, but they're convinced that it's like a corruptive force within nature that they need to control. So like, if you're taking it from a religious reading, dust is original sin and dust is corruptive and dust is transformative and they're trying to control dust. But if you divorce Are we talking that, about dirt? No. <laughs> like dust particles? Dust with a capital D. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but that is something that people confuse in the book all the time because they're always like, are you just talking about like dust? And then somebody has to say like dust and it's like stylized and like with a capital D and like italics in the book. But so if you take that away from the oh right dust is original sin like I don't even know how they're going to explain it in the show yeah. <laughs> like I have no idea so yeah I don't either I bet they just Dan, turned it into you? like dune spice oh okay yeah I mean honestly maybe yeah why not <laughs> Dan uh, for me I was I was confused although I um, I don't I've never read the books I only vaguely was aware that it was based on a series. Like, I knew it was a series of books, but I didn't know anything about it. I think I'm going to keep watching, at least for another couple episodes, uh, to see if I enjoy it more or if it makes more sense. Um, but I was most struck by how this didn't feel like an HBO show. I mean, the, in terms of scope, it did, but it's not... It felt almost like it was for kids, in a way, mm-hmm. that, that HBO programming generally is not. Uh, and I know, Tori, I think you pointed out that it's a co-production with the BBC. Yeah. Um, so so it, it doesn't go through the normal HBO process. It's a little bit of a different uh, program for them, other than that it's supposed to be this big uh, epic. Um, and it's, I, I got to admit, it's a, it was a little strange. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the viewer who needs the HBO style gratuitous violence or gratuitous sex necessarily but I was thrown off a little bit by the fact that this uh, that this show was uh, uh, yeah that this show felt like it w- maybe it wasn't for me mm-hmm. um, although some of that is I'm sure just that I don't know the uh, the books but but I think this raises a question always and we could talk about this with Watchmen too is like right. should you know the book to understand the text and, like, I always go back and forth about that. Like, I think having read Watchmen adds to the show immeasurably. Mm-hmm. But I think if you've read the books and that's the only reason you understand what's going on in His Dark Materials, then that's just right. a bad... It's a bad adaptive choice. But I, I personally think that where Watchmen goes, you need to have read the comic. Just my personal opinion, having seen through episode six. Like, Interesting. I think it does and I think there are a lot of things like the Keen Act and where Dr. Manhattan is and a lot of stuff that you can kind of like pick up on with enough conversation and if you're reading the PDpedia and stuff like that but I think as the show progresses you really need that Watchmen basis I mean I think you really needed to know that Laurie was the comedian's daughter 
to sort of understand her motivations in this week's episode. I don't know if we're done talking about his dark materials when we want to just go into Watchmen, but like it's just very fascinating to me that HBO has two stories at the same time that are based on books and they're sort of playing out so differently. Mm-hmm. So. Well, no, this is this is actually a, a really good uh, segue into Watchmen. Um, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I... I think I forgot. I've read Watchmen several times, but I think I'd forgotten that she was uh, the comedian's daughter. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. yep. But uh, the the other stuff, the the stuff with Doctor Manhattan and all of that, uh, made sense to me. Like I remembered that aspect of it. But um, I don't know. This this goes back to my old man complaint last week of how much homework do I have to do, and how much of the Pedipedia do I have to read to feel like I'm engaging with this show Dan yes if the show is good enough maybe (laughs) it's a show that you want to engage with see I watch it once I read the comics when the Zack Snyder film came out I don't Mm -hmm. remember it I didn't like it but I remember enough to know what's going on but I watch it once and then I go through the wikis and I find the stuff that I missed and then I watch it again and oh my god it's so much better but doesn't that speak to the fact that you should know the comic to enjoy the show? Right, that I, feels like... And, but and also I you're, still like it. Right, but you're already, you're already talking about watching every episode twice. Right. Which, I mean, on, on some level, sure. you'd hope... I mean, in the same way that the mo- you know, a movie should be able to stand on its own, um, even separate of sequels or prequels or, or source material. I think it's a B show without the knowledge, and then it's like an solid A with the knowledge. Uh, And I think think that's the key. You get, again, it's a richer viewing experience if you're willing to do that legwork, but it does still, it is still a cohesive, it's, you know, it's not terrible without it. Right. You can still, you could still watch it, you just are going to get more from it. Right. And it's not that hard to, like, go online and read anybody's okay. review. All right, Dustin. Okay. I'm not just saying me. I'm just saying anywhere. You just I had to there. watch so many Apple TV Plus shows to, you know, I didn't have time to watch two of these. <laughs> um, watch Watchmen twice. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. But I, I did, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying Watchmen. And I, I enjoyed this week's episode. Um, it was, uh, I mean, you know, I was, I was entertained, especially the showdown with, uh, with, in the crypt with uh, Laurie and uh, Sister Knight um, and the specifically the way that Regina King reacts to kind of like being, uh, you know, their little emotional standoff was mm-hmm. so good. Oh, um, so good. Yeah. So that, like that for me just made the whole episode. I'm like, oh, this is great. I don't, I mean, there were many things that were a lot of fun in the episode. Um, I have a feeling we're going to talk about the briefcase at some point, but... <laughs> <laughs> is it now? I was unmoved by the briefcase. I was unmoved by the briefcase. I was excited to find it. it. Right, right. Except finding out that there's a briefcase called a Halliburton. I was like, what? There's a briefcase called a Halliburton? They named it after Dick Cheney's company? I would 100% buy that because they probably are doing some shit where it's like, it will be safe no matter what terrorist attacks you. Your dick will be safe. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I assumed. Well, well, I mean, there actually, I looked it up. There actually is a Halliburton briefcase. Yeah, dude. It's a thing. I didn't know that. Terrible. Yes, they do whatever they want. <laughs> They're All bad right. news bears. 
<laughs> well, it's apparently a good place to put your blue dildo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Made by dicks for dicks. Oh, Tori. A plus. I think I don't know where I read it, but somebody said that uh, on the last day of shooting, they gave uh, uh, Gene Smart a Halliburton briefcase. Nice. But that, I, mean, I don't I think, think that's the take home she wanted. Like, if you're going to get a prop, <laughs> if you're going to get a prop from that scene, I don't think anyone's like, I want the briefcase. But it was such a good episode. Yes, I do. And think I, what did it, you enjoy about it, Dustin? Yeah, it, it just sort of hit a different level with mm-hmm. uh, by introducing an antagonist that actually is a match for Regina King. Because the Seventh Cavalry was sort of, you know, a faceless, bland. I mean, they, they were great. I mean, not great, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you didn't have a you didn't have a singular foe. Right, right. They were just kind of like miscellaneous racist people. Right, and the fact that Gene Smart's character is also uh, an, a, a protagonist hero, mm-hmm. or an antagonist hero. So you can root for both people. Well, and what I think is interesting about this adaptation of Lori is, like, I think if you know enough from the comic books and you kind of pick up on this from her long joke that she's telling Dr. Manhattan is, like, in the group of the Watchmen, she wasn't, like, the smartest man in the world, like Ozymandias. She wasn't a god like Manhattan. She didn't come up with all this nifty shit like Night Owl, but she was ostensibly just a regular person Mm -hmm. that decided that she could do something, which is sort of what Angela is. So I'm very curious as to what turned Lori away from thinking that putting on the mask was the right way to do things, like what deal she made with the government or however that turn occurred, because it's essentially the inverse of what happened to Angela, right? So, like, I do think there's a very interesting narrative there about the choices that you make and who you decide to work with and who you decide to ally yourself with. Because I also think something that's interesting that the show is doing is basically setting up the government and the police to be oppositional. And I'm curious how that plays out over time. Because I Hmm. don't know... Because it was interesting to me that it was only Tulsa that had decided to mask its officers. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought in the beginning of the show that it was everywhere. So the continued relevance of Tulsa and them having the clock and them having these phone calls with Dr. Manhattan and all this stuff, it's interesting to see so many central elements in Tulsa. And I wonder, you know, like Lindelof doesn't put things in places if he doesn't mean for them to pay off. Right. So I'm curious the function of Tulsa in the narrative as we move forward. Yeah, and people in Tulsa have to be stoked because... Have you ever seen Tulsa? Right? Like, who, who <laughs> out here is like, oh, yeah, Tulsa really rules. <laughs> like, I've been to Tulsa. Tulsa is, well, I don't want to insult Tulsa, but Tulsa <laughs> is nothing. I mean, right. it's just, there's nothing there. Right. And that's probably, like, part of the function, right? Is, like, they want to probably highlight this place that doesn't seem like it's much of anything to kind of show why it could be something. But it's definitely... Right. 
I, I just, I really loved this version of Lori. I thought that it was very well done and very smart and very experimental in the format to have us keep going back to her telling the joke. And I'm so much more interested in her than I am in anything that Adrian's doing. That's a huge energy suck every episode for me. (laughs) I, I, I agree too, but it's sort of a, it's a goofy, fun energy suck. Oh, I, I find I, it I find it exhaustingly tedious. I don't think it's fun at all. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's going to go somewhere that it, it that it will pay off in some way. Well, yeah. Will, I mean, it's it's it clear that it'll it'll lead to something, but I don't know. Are you not coming around on Lindelof, Roxana? After this? <laughs> I think that the f- I think the fifth and the sixth episodes are like astounding, and I think they're very very good. And once I reached them, I kind of thought like, oh, I wish that the rest of the series had been like this. So, oh my god! Yeah. So you I, mean it gets better than <laughs> last night's episode? I think it gets better. Yeah. I mean, I think that last night's episode is also really up there. I watched four, and I can barely remember anything about it. So I think that one's kind of eh. But I, I mean, Lindelof's style overall just isn't my bag. Like, mm, you don't so, like good things. Yeah, apparently. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's some parts of it that I really like, and then other parts that I'm like, eh. But Tori, what were you gonna say? So that Dustin and I don't fight. <laughs> oh no, um, I was gonna say because the the Adrian Veidt bits, um, because they're such a departure, I kind of feel like they're the bits that are most like the, in the comic, the, what is it, the black sails, like the story, Mm -hmm. which drove me nuts in the comic, Mm -hmm. um, that they kept taking time away to tell this, like, other story in the middle of it, and I know it had a point, but it, it drove me nuts, and I kind of appreciate that, I feel like the show is doing it intentionally as a callback to that. Like, yeah, no, and we're just going to have this, like, other tonal shift, like, little bite-sized story going on in every episode. That, yeah. like, as a connects in no way whatsoever, and you're just going to be waiting to see how it does. Right. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely think it's very purposeful in mimicking that structure of the comic. I, 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 just, really, I just really don't like Jeremy Irons as that character. So I think that's just part of what's not working for me as well, is that I don't, again, probably because with my own mistake, I'm comparing it with the movie, which I mostly liked. I just don't see him and Matthew Good as doing the same thing. So I'm having a hard time divorcing those two versions of Adrian from each other. But, but yeah. I can see that. All right. Well, at least it's good to know that it gets better because that's somehow I mean, right. Yeah. It somehow gets You're better. Dealing with Dustin the best can't show imagine on TV. it, and I'm pleasantly surprised. Although yeah. maybe I should go back and read the graphic novel now. Dustin's going to uh, come back next week and be like, "I hated it." No, <laughs> well, the show gets week, worse. Next week is going to be the fourth episode. Tori, do math. I so. don't do math. It's late. <laughs> Uh, All right. Uh, Briefly, we wanted to talk about uh, some of the Apple TV Plus shows that have uh, premiered. Um, I guess, why don't we, Dustin, I think you and I are the only ones who watched any of them, but why don't we do a Riverdale recap style, uh, very brief 
not not about the plot, but just how you sure, felt sure. about about these shows. So you watched morning shows, is that right? Yes, and I believe that the morning show is getting a bad rap on mm-hmm. and, and and I get it. It's sort of like is Apple TV is worth buying just for the morning show and that is a no but as a standalone <laughs> series it's pretty fine it's fine it's it's um news night without the sorkinisms but with a really cool cast and steve carell gets to play like a creepy sort of me too guy who's raging because he got caught so can i ask does the show from what I read, it's consensual. Like, yes. Is it well? Okay. F- from what I, from the first three episodes, and what, f- from what Steve Carell says, but he okay. hasn't reckoned yet with himself or what he did. Okay. They were with, you know, employees, producers, and okay. interns, and whatever. Okay. So. So still shady power dynamics. Yes. Okay. Okay. But Reese Witherspoon is great, and Jennifer Anderson is fine, and Steve Carell is just tremendous. But Billy Crudup, really, oh my God, he is amazing in this. He's so good. Is he doing, like, his spotlight thing? Is he terrible, or is he not terrible? He's, uh, like, an agent of chaos. He's just, like, trying to create chaos in order to goose the ratings. Okay. Crude up is very like Scarjo, and that I think that their like public personas seem terrible, but they're such good actors that it's really mm, annoying. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It could not be. And Duplass is really fun in this too. I think. Oh, you know that I don't like the Duplasses. That's another. Well, that's, that's a shame, but yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole not liking good things. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. So what other things are there? So there was C and there that's was C, the which Momoa I don't. One? That's the Jason Momoa uh, fantasy epic. I think everybody's blind. Uh, Game of okay. Thrones, and, but they're blind. Yeah, and okay. also I don't think anybody. I don't think any of us have seen it. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, I watched For All Mankind. I watched the first episode of For All Mankind. Uh, that's the 1960s alternate history space race from. Uh, uh, Ron Moore and uh, a, a writing team that uh, Matt Wolpert is one and uh, his writing partner, whose name I'm blanking on, uh, Ben Nadivi. Nadivi. Um, hmm. So th- three of them created, but it's it's set in an alternate history where the Russians get to the moon first, and so kind of oh. everything uh, everything f- spills out from that of like how does how does America respond and how do we you know what do they do next and um, it's you know, it's a it's a really well constructed show, which it doesn't sound like a compliment. I swear it is, because um, you know it's a period piece, and you have to get the you have to get everything you have to get all of that stuff right first before, you know, otherwise you'll just not want to watch the rest of it. Um, so it's positioning America as sort of the underdog in the space race. Yeah, so it's positioning America as the underdog. Um, the the thing that I I, I do want to continue watching it, but the thing that struck me in that first episode was that it it has to do basically the entire hour they have to spend just kind of getting you into this world and kind of showing you what stuff they're changing and what stuff stays the same um so by the end of the pilot i felt like okay now they're about to like now they're gonna get into their actual story um Hmm. so the pilot was very much just setting the table and 
Um, and it has to do so much world building that the characters are a little thin and you don't, I mean, you know, you get everyone's motivation and they're very serious and, you know, serious people trying to do a serious thing. Um, but I, uh, uh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't feel that strongly connected to any of them. Um, so I was more drawn in by the world and the, and the premise of it than the, uh, than the, the people put it that way. Um, but you know, I'm interested. I'm interested to see where it goes. It's interesting to me that they did a lot of like fancy seeming promo stuff for that. Like, I think mm-hmm. there was like a fancy DC premiere, and I think they did some stuff like in partnership with the Smithsonian to help promote it. And that's mm-hmm. definitely the one I've seen the most commercials for. Yeah. So that's. Been I kind have of not seen a thing about that. Oh, I've which seen is a lot of commercials. Now I'm fascinated. I like alternate histories. Yeah, and I think, you know, there is always kind of a desire for space stories. Right. So I, I think that it's tapping into something, just to Dan's point. I'm curious where they take it. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was uh, it's a, uh, there's, there's actually a quote in the game coming up later that really uh, highlights how I felt about the pilot, uh, but I'll, you'll, you'll know it when I read the quote. Um, but yeah, um, and I also watched most of the pilot of Dickinson, uh, I didn't stop because I wasn't enjoying it. I stopped because I ran out of time. Um, but my, uh, this is the, this is a, it's a half hour show about Emily Dickinson, but it's anachron- a- anachronistic and strange in a way where, you know, they, uh, it's her as a teenager, but the teenagers sound like modern teenagers. So they use modern slang and there's modern music. Um, and, uh, it was, it was strange and I was enjoying it. Um, my, but my big takeaway, which is kind of the only thing that I've, that's stuck in my brain so far, is that it, uh, Jane Krakowski plays her mother. And hmm. it feels like, I swear to God, it feels like I'm watching Jenna Maroney in a show. Like this oh. feels kind of like, and I, I don't mean that in a, it, it's not, again, it's not a, I don't mean it as like a, as a bad thing it but it just feels like like i kind of I, maybe it's just i can't divorce her from uh that character from 30 rock but mm-hmm. it feels a little bit like i'm watching her, jenna maroney be in a in a show that jenna maroney would have been cast in like you're watching um, a 30 rock episode that is about her performance not <laughs> visually but yeah kind of <laughs> um, dan how horny is it <laughs> Uh, it's like, I don't know, teenager horny. Mm, okay. At least from what I saw. There was only like one moment again. And again, you know, I haven't, maybe there's more at the very end of the pilot that I haven't seen. But okay. mostly it was, uh, it was just a little weird. And I was like, I don't know what this is exactly, but, um, but I'm, it's cool that it got made. So. Cause something I saw was, um a review or something that said that like, it's not really for teenagers, although it's about Dickinson as a teenager. It's really about like, it's really for people our age (laughs) in its horniness. So I wasn't sure if that was accurate or not. That's probably right. Because if I were a teenager, I don't know how I would understand this show Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not, it's not about teenagers in the way that like euphoria is. Um, not that euphoria is for teenagers either necessarily. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just a 
it's just a strange show. <laughs> but there aren't enough strange shows on TV, so that's okay. True. All right, it's time for our game. Uh, this week's game, I actually came up with a title for. Uh, I don't believe it's it. It's called Apple... Okay. You, you, well, now, maybe now nobody gets a title. Maybe I should just leave it as Untitled Apple TV Game. Uh, no, the game is called Apple TV Plus or Minus. Oh. Right. Say, right. Uh, here's how it's going to work. I have uh, pulled a bunch of quotes from various reviews for Apple TV Plus shows that premiered on November 1st, back on Friday. And uh, based on what the quote says, you will have to choose the show. Um, and uh, that's about it. So there are four shows. Am I correct? There. So there are four shows. I didn't. I didn't pick any of the uh, children's programming. So right. your options are, are always going to be either the morning show for all mankind, C or Dickinson. Um, some of them will be too hard. actually all of them. All of them. I have multiple line, multiple quotes. So all of them are are in play. Um, and first to three wins. So that's the. That's it. That's the game. So are you guys ready? Yes. All right. Let's do it. Yeah, let's All do it. right, so first quote. There's a good show in there, even if it's not all on the screen yet. That's the morning show. That's correct. That's <laughs> Brian Grubb at Uproxx talking about the morning show. That's My coworker of, at Uproxx. I was going to say, that's sort of cheating <laughs> Oh, well, that's, I didn't realize that, but uh, Dustin gets a point anyway. He's not <laughs> oh. going to win because he doesn't win the games. So They never do. Um, <laughs> he will this time. All right. Yeah, probably. Uh, All right, so Dustin has one point. Uh, Let's go to another one. This one is actually a headline, so I I don't know if I can quote it to the author because it might have been an editor, but anyway, um, here's a quote or the headline. Uh, Show name is a funny TV show, but not on purpose. Dickinson? C. C is correct. Uh, That was from The the Verge. (laughs) If he sweeps you guys, we'll do a couple more bits for fun. Uh, but uh, did, did you, are you, is it that you've read these, Dustin, or what's happening? Am I, well, am see, I what happened is maybe uh, <laughs> a week and a half ago, I decided to write a piece about whether or not Apple was going to survive. So I looked yeah. at all the reviews when they came out. Oh, uh, yeah, that's Dustin not cheated. Well, so he should be yeah. disqualified. It's not really cheating. You it did was cheat. doing my job. No, arguable. No, 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 no. I mean, if I'm going to confess, I 100% cheated on last week's game. <gasps> <laughs> How did you cheat on I'm pretty theme sure I... songs? Wait, no, no, not theme songs. songs was two weeks ago. Yeah, no, Halloween episodes. I just Googled oh. best Halloween episodes, like Tori. before the podcast. <gasps> no, that's a little bit well cheating. before. Well no. before. <laughs> As as a person of integrity, I am shocked by this behavior. As a former perfectionist, I like to be prepared for tests. <laughs> Not prepared right. enough to watch any of the Apple TV Plus shows, but you know. Right. Prepared enough to engineer a cheating scheme, but not to watch the television. Yes. Truly, truly a Sofia Coppola movie in the making. <laughs> All right, Dustin's up 2-0 uh, because he's cheating. But uh, let's, let's keep going, see what happens. Um, all right, here is your next line. Uh, blank is nowhere near perfect, but it's deeply watchable eventually. And at this point, deeply watchable might be all Apple TV Plus cares about. For all mankind. Correct. Ah. Tori is on the board. Were you just Damn. guessing because I hadn't 
read a quote from that one yet, or did you? Did it make it sense? Sounded vaguely familiar. From <laughs> was it from Variety? It was from Vox. Okay, uh, never Emily mind. Then I made it up. It's two to one, Dustin. Uh, Tori has won. Roxana still trying to get on the board. Yeah, no, um, I'm but no. <laughs> she's she's on the board. Of she's our the hearts. winner. That's true. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Well, that's, <laughs> right. my parents uh, would not agree, but thank you. <laughs> Here's your next quote. Uh, I'd have hoped that six full hours of the series would be enough to make me sure about what the show was, is going to be. That's but here be I C. am, still arguing with myself. Yeah, I think C. that's the morning show. Dickinson. Uh, no, they only had three hours of morning show. You're all incorrect. That was a second for all mankind quote. Oh. 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 Through us. Mixing it up because uh, that was from, uh, I don't know how to say the names, Catherine Van, Aren- Van Arendonk. Ed Vulture. Oh yeah, Ed Vulture. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I just love that line because it it was I don't know sounded like oh good so it's it's it the what I felt in the pilot keeps going. Um, <laughs> you know everything you need to know. <laughs> okay, your next quote. Uh, it's an quote unapologetic crying on the floor at two in the morning, flirting with the fetishization of death, even when floating on the undeniable highness Dickinson. of life. Correct. Uh, Roxana got in first. Mm. At least in my headphones. So that was Dick, Dickinson. That was Thank Julia Alexander at The Verge. Take that, Tory. So everyone's, <laughs> everyone scored points, which is good. Um, all right, wait. What's my next quote? I'm running, I'm running out of quotes. Dustin, you have to, you have to end this game. Uh, yeah, I just uh, wanted to give him a, give him a <laughs> chance. <laughs> Two to one to one. Uh, next up. Everything is both itself and the opposite of itself on a series that feels more focus-tested than well-crafted. The Morning bad. Show. Oh, I, who said it? I heard Dustin and I heard uh, someone else, but I, it was it at was the exact me, same time. It was me, but I think we said it at the same time. It was and the exact we can same let, time. we can let Dustin take it because... No, you're both getting a half point, which means okay. Dustin uh, <laughs> has not won yet. Okay. We do half points here. Um, okay. <laughs> We're advanced. But yes, that was a morning show. Uh, so it's two and a half to one and a half to one. Tori now in last place. Uh, very sad for Tori. I'm comfortable. It's fine. I know. I know my worth. <laughs> All right. Tori knows who she is, and there's a victory in that. So here is your next quote. Uh, show name sometimes feels like a concept, and some characters were thrown on a whiteboard, but no one figured out how to use them to tell an C. engaging C? story. C. Uh, who said it first? I, I think I said it first. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Just trying to end this game. I'm sorry. It sounded very close. It's okay. Give it to Dustin. You know what? You'll no, both get both a half point. You'll both get a half point, but Dustin will still get to three. Right. Dustin will Thank still you. win. That's fine. Uh, so Dustin's won the game, shockingly. And that means I don't, for once, have to do a rant. That means that you get to choose who rants. And you Ooh. can choose. Uh, you yeah. could choose yourself if you wanted to. I but. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, we'll uh, when we get to the rant, we'll uh, All right. we'll find out. See uh, if you got any friends rant. Oh, high questions. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, <laughs> truly the best. What thing are some I've other shows that rant? Like that nothing you feel compares. really strongly about Dan. Just you know, <sighs> hypothetically speaking. Oh no. <laughs> well, no, but here's my question: Did Dan? know that he felt so strongly Yeah, did we step on a minefield? Or was it just... An emotional minefield. No, what happened was, uh, (laughs) what happened last week was that I 
I, I've watched a lot of Friends, obviously. I've seen the whole series multiple times over many years. But what shocked me was that I assumed that that was kind of universal. That right. like people of a certain age have all seen Friends enough in reruns or whatever that the, you know, the facts just leak into your brain. Just everybody has no life. <laughs> yeah, and learning that apparently it's only me. No, uh, Dan, it was definitely me as well because I was okay. listening to that episode and being like, how did you not know right. about the Vegas wedding and right. like all that stuff? Yeah. And they may have been trolling me, but even if they were, I will take that bait. We were yeah, not. Yeah, we were not. Those were, I mean, like, I knew Paul Rudd was on it, but like that was the extent of my knowledge. I, this is just shocking to me. I yeah. legit am shocked. I watched <laughs> Friends when it aired, and that was whenever that was, and I haven't seen it since. I, not that long ago, caught the rerun of what I guess is the finale, that like airport, like she's flying away, and then yes. she comes back, right. and she's like, yes. I didn't leave. Where the, f- where was the baby in that? <laughs> oh, so I looked it up because I was wrong last week. Uh, the baby, the mom was going to bring the baby to Paris. Right. Wasn't Rachel's her. mom going to bring Emma? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. she wasn't, aban- I think last week I said that she was abandoning her baby and leaving him with Ro- leaving her with Ross, which was inaccurate. Wait, but the mom was, well, I thought Rachel Rachel's was mother Rachel's was going mom. to, Rachel's was going mother. to like okay. meet her in Paris with her daughter, but right. she had to go right away for work. So Ross was just going to abandon the baby? No, I mean... Who was abandoning? Nobody was abandoning. Ross was just going to have to, like, fly to Paris as he He was just going to have to deal with it, yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, so instead, Rachel put her career on hold. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Way to go, Rachel. (laughs) I mean... Guys, Ross might be the worst. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long time ago, guys. This is why Friday Night Lights is so much better. I mean, I don't think anybody was saying that Friends was good. I think we were just shocked that you were unaware of how right. complexly bad it became. And right. honestly, I, I don't mean, even think it became that bad. It just was itself the whole time. It never became anything <laughs> better or good. Right. It just was what it was. Yeah. Forever. 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 <laughs> Etched into your hearts as yeah. a mediocre <laughs> monolith. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, so my parents didn't let us watch Friends because of all the, like, sex and, like, living in New York. So it definitely was something that, like, because we were major latchkey kids, we watched, Living like, in New York? Is that... Yeah. Sinful? I mean, uh, I don't necessarily know if it was sinful, but, like, my parents didn't want us to go away to college, and they knew that I really wanted to go to New York and go to NYU and stuff. So, like, they oh. didn't want a lot of that sort of thing. Influence. Yeah. So we were like, well, to be fair, that that was barely New York. Sure. (laughs) Right. But for my parents, it was like, ah, so we did a lot of, uh, we did a lot of secret watching of friends. So I think a lot of the plot is like burned into my brain because it was like, you got home, you made sure you were alone and then you turned on friends. (laughs) So yeah. But my parents, but my dad loved Seinfeld and we would just like watch Seinfeld as a family. So it was a very interesting Distinction. Even Maybe it too was in New York. Right. So like But it also was more like real New York at the <laughs> time. And it also had like a bunch of sex stuff, but like my parents were okay with that, or like my dad was okay with that. Oh yeah, the sponge. Right. Yeah. It the had bat. I can remember Seinfeld <laughs> plot lines. Like not in order, but I can remember like things that were gags in episodes. What if my dad was low key just being like friends is bad television and I only <laughs> want you to watch good television? That could have been the case. Yeah, I don't know. I think you just figured it out. <laughs> right. He was doing I, you a um, favor. I unlocked the secret of my childhood. <laughs> but, um, 
but yeah. Did you or did you not watch ER? No. No. Uh, I my parents so my parents basically let me watch kind of whatever at night as long as my mom was in the same room. So like we watched X Files and I watched Buffy oh. as it was airing and I was like eight years old. Um, but my parents didn't really watch TV like on their own aside from my dad watching Seinfeld. So no, I didn't really watch ER or any of that other stuff. We watched Malcolm the Middle, which felt very subversive. Um, I loved Malcolm. And yeah. the Simpsons and yeah. My parents hated The Simpsons, but they let us watch it. And then family tradition was 60 minutes every Sunday as oh. a family. So, oh. yeah. That's sweet, kind of. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was. Well, so far. <laughs> I mean, it definitely it made me want to be a journalist. So, yeah. It oh, was, oh it was okay. Formative. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You wanted to be an old journalist. Yeah, it made me want to be just an old man. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> love 60 minutes whatever i mean it's funny now watching it because like i i feel like they are not objective really but it's just interesting anyway we went super off topic sorry y'all no that's okay yeah that's what we do here (laughs) yep true 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 so dan how did the game shake out so dustin won with all of his cheating okay so dustin won the game um which means he gets to uh choose he gets to choose who rants um he could he could also choose to rant himself if he has something to to talk about. Oh, uh, I I don't have anything specific to talk about, so I would like to ask Roxana to rant about uh. Disney. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, Roxana, this is your first rant, so uh, it's sixty seconds. Uh, you you can go over, but you know, it's uh, when I mean, whenever you start speaking, basically is when I'll. I think Go. for me, what is there to say about Disney that hasn't already been said? It is a soulless, so, cynical corporation that just pumps out crap to feed our endless love for nostalgia and sell paraphernalia at the Disney store. What I mean, what else is there? What else is there to say? And why is that better or worse than Apple? <sighs> I think why that is better or worse than Apple. Honestly, I see them fundamentally as very similar. My issue with Apple is that I think it ushered in a series of devices that have actually made us lonelier and more isolated and more separated as people. So I think for me, Apple is part of a larger conversation about tech and how the myth of tech is that it brings us together. And I think in a lot of ways it does. But I also think the flip side of tech is that it has helped usher in a time where it is increasingly difficult for us to concentrate on things that aren't screens. And I think Apple was a large part of that. It branded all of these things as extensions of yourself and like get an iPod, get an iPad, all this crap. And I think that fundamentally has been bad. And in a lot of ways, I think Disney has done the same thing. And like, this is like what capitalism does, right? Like you are your interests, your interests are your personality. What you like is who you are. 
but I think Disney has perfected it and that we're now seeing the second wave of that. We had animated movies, now we have live action recreations of animated movies where nothing is different, they can just charge you for it twice. So I think for me, they both rely on these like cycles and systems that are pretending that we're being brought together when we're actually not. And I think they both sort of contribute to our lack of attention. Like, I think about this all the time. Like, it feels like the Disney movies make a colossal amount of money and then they are completely forgotten, like, immediately afterward. Like, we talked about Lion King and how it was going to make a billion dollars, and it did, but then it just yeah. disappeared. <laughs> so it's Do just... you not see, do you not think that there will be a sort of nirvana like come along and sort of upset the whole system, like an A twenty four, or something like that. That, because like the kids, the teens, the youths, they're not gonna like Disney and Marvel forever. They're gonna rebel against something. Well, as something long as something is there to fill that vacuum for them. Well, something that I'm very curious about is whether they actually like it. Like that, I really don't know. So like, I don't have kids and I don't hang out with the youths because I'm an old, but um. <laughs> Like, my friends who have kids at work say that, like, they've taken their kids to see all the live actions, and they're just not interested in that. No, no, they're not. Like, they'll watch the live action, and then they'll go home and be like, can you put in the animated one again? Yes. So, I, I think that, so part of, like, my point and my frustration with it is a lot of this is, like, banking on nostalgia and the fact that, like, older people want to see this because it reminds them of when they were young and happy and not everything was so goddamn bleak that. all the time. I do <laughs> think... I think that that is, sincerely, I do think that is part of it. But to your point of, like, whether something can upend the system, I mean, I think, to a certain extent, A24 has, I guess. But A24, to me, is a lot like Disney in that now people are just blind fans of A24, but is everybody seeing those A24 movies that don't get the hype? Like, I really liked Low Tide. It was an A24 release. Nobody saw that movie. I reviewed it for Pajiba. Like, nobody saw that shit. So I, I think there are disruptors, but I also think that still there's not as much of a broad distillation of interest. So I don't know. I'm just really tired. Like, I'm really tired of looking at the <laughs> movie it. schedule and just being like, oh, okay, so we have, like, five more of these goddamn movies this year. Okay, cool. Marty was right. Marty was correct. So, that's and that's my, sixty seconds. It's my very tired <laughs> five-minute-long rant. Very exhausted. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Roxana, for your very calm rant. Sure. Um, yeah. I, you know, calm and well I, thought I, out. Well, because I think we talk about this all the time, and honestly, I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't. Um, and I, the Dustin, answer is more thoughts? TV. But Dustin, you have kids. Like, what do I they do. like? Uh, do they like this stuff? Do they like no. Disney? I mean, they, they go see it because they take them. Mm-hmm. And we like to go to the movies together. And that's what's available. Mm-hmm. But they like the cartoons better. My older son, who is 12, rails against all of these Disney films. I'm sorry. Did I mold that into him? Yes. My bad. Yes, you did. <laughs> sorry. But they're like today he wanted to see Jojo Rabbit instead, which is pretty oh, cool. I think that's yeah. a good, and he's a good age to see that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good choice. But maybe movies like that 
will find an audience within the youths. I think so. And, I, you know, I do think it's one of those things where there are certain stories that probably need to be told every generation. Sure, yeah. And, you know, and I do think Jojo Rabbit fits into that. I just wonder, and I've thought about this for a long time, like, as 90s kids, we had a lot of cultural touchstones that were 80s things because teen movies were still made in the 80s. And I feel like now, what are the teen movies? Like, what are the coming-of-age narratives? And I feel like there just aren't that many. So I am, I am legitimately very curious about, like, what do teens consume? And so when Means. we found out... Like, when we found out that college students were watching Friends, it was a shock because it was like, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I don't know. Whatever. It's a conversation for another time. Yes, it is. Yeah. And on that note, that's our show. Um, <laughs> thanks, Roxana, for joining us. Uh, sure. We hope you'll be back. I don't think we scared you off this time. No, no, probably, no. No, no, no. Probably safer than the first time, first go around. Uh, thanks, Dustin and Tori, and Tori who muted herself because of the uh, air conditioning that she's oh, sitting it by. Just, it just stopped. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, come back next week. We'll have another show. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's all I that's all I got. There'll be more of this because it never ends. It ne- never ends. Television never ends. It just keeps coming. And, That's right. You and know, there's too much of it. Uh, there's too much of it. And, uh, and yet people are complaining about the lack of movies when there's so much TV to consume. There's so much TV. Aren't there 75 new shows premiering this month? That That's makes insane. sense. Yeah. So you got a lot of content. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. Come back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.